Pharaoh fears Israel and begins a campaign of death. Little does he know that God will use someone in his own household to turn his plans upside down. On The Bible Brief. The Israelites are devastated. For months, the Egyptians have been keeping a watchful eye on them. Not only have they been forced into a slavery of hard labor, but they've been systematically robbed of their baby boys as soon as they're born. The eyes of the Egyptians are upon them, lest the Israelites be able to create another generation that will multiply their population further. Egypt fears the Israelites, and Pharaoh has decided on the genocide of the male Israelite infants to ease his fears. The eyes of Egypt are upon Israel, but just so, the eyes of God are upon the whole earth. And God soon takes Pharaoh's purpose and turns it on its head. The story of the next major person in the Bible begins with the birth of a little Israelite, a beautiful son of a couple in the tribe of Levi, who hopes that somehow their baby boy will be saved. Let's read beginning in Exodus chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Instead of casting him in the Nile River, this hopeful mother decides to create a little basket for their son, a little baby-sized boat for the son that she loves, a boat which she sets among the reeds of the Nile River, with probably many prayers to God to somehow watch over him and save him. Now what we can't see in the English text here is a connection to something we've seen before in the Bible. Can you remember someone who is saved from water in a special boat? If you're thinking about Noah and the ark that kept Noah safe, you're thinking of the right person. Well, this small text right here evokes and reminds us of the story of Noah. The little basket that this baby is placed in? Well, in Hebrew, that basket is the word ark. This little baby is placed in a little ark, before, as his mother hopes, being saved from the water that would have condemned him to death. With this callback to Noah and his ark, you can imagine that God has big plans for this little baby. Plans that begin, oddly enough, with an Egyptian in Pharaoh's household. An Egyptian woman who has compassion enough to defy her father's intention to kill all the baby Hebrew boys. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Pharaoh's daughter sees the crying child and knows exactly why he's in his little ark in the river. She looks at him and takes pity on him. Maybe she thinks of how she would feel in the mother's shoes. Who knows, maybe she had had trouble having children herself. 
We don't know exactly why she has compassion on this little Hebrew boy, but she does. But then something happens that couldn't have brought more joy to the family of this little baby. His sister had been watching all that had happened since their mother had set the baby in the basket. And it's at this point that she goes boldly to Pharaoh's daughter with a suggestion and a question. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of water. This is a remarkable turn of events. First, Pharaoh's daughter takes compassion on the child in the boat. But next, she unknowingly gives the boy back to his mother to raise him and nurse him. The child ends up back in the home he was born in. But this time, it's with the permission and the payment of the household of Pharaoh. The Hebrew boy has been saved in his little ark by the most unlikely person. And not only that, but he finally receives a name. Moses. A name which means drawn out. A name given because he was drawn out of the water. A name which will come to effectively characterize the major moments in Moses' life. Just as he was drawn out of water as an infant, he and his nation will be drawn out of water themselves. The narrative then fast-forwards many years. Moses was nursed and weaned and taught for some time in his own home before he was then delivered to the Egyptian residence of Pharaoh's daughter. From then, he continued to grow and mature in the Egyptian way of life, as he was taught the Egyptian way of thinking. He became, in some sense, a man stuck in two worlds at once. The world of an educated Egyptian royalty and the world of Hebrew slavery. The world of his real mother and the world of his adoptive mother. The world of prosperity and the world of servitude. And the time soon came when he chose which world he was going to live in. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, Moses struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When Moses went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. As Moses chooses his world, he kills an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew slave. Perhaps it was years of pent-up anger at the mistreatment of his people. Perhaps it was a sudden realization that he couldn't watch his own people suffered as they had for all these years. No matter his internal dialogue, he had made his choice. And this choice charted the course for the rest of his life. After realizing that what he had done was known and seen by others, 
he fled the country, just escaping the penalty that Pharaoh would have exacted upon Moses for his rash killing of the man. So Moses flees a few hundred miles southeast to the land of Midian, in modern Saudi Arabia, a land just south of the land of Canaan. This was perhaps just outside of the territorial control of ancient Egypt, and far enough away that Moses wouldn't have constantly feared for his life. After the quick flight away from Egypt, he finds himself by a well of water. And at the well, Moses' story continues. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Now some shepherds came and drove the daughters away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Despite no historical connection between Moses and these women in Midian, Moses sees their plight at the well and saves them from the bullying shepherds. And soon Moses is rewarded by the father of these women. Ruel, also called Jethro, invites Moses to eat bread, a sign of intimate fellowship being offered to Moses. Moses not only accepts the hospitality of Ruel, but also accepts a daughter from him. We read, Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah, and she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. After fleeing Egypt at the age of 40, Moses marries a Midianite and begins to settle into a new life away from Egypt. He'd been a man between two worlds, and after his choice of his Hebrew world, he had fled from both worlds altogether. His choice meant a sort of exile for him, an exile that would last for decades. Moses turned 50, then 60, and continued to age. But this man, who many years prior was saved in his little ark from the waters of the Nile, this man was not meant to merely be an exile in Midian. God has great plans for Moses. He is going to be God's tool to draw out, just as he was drawn out of water. Finally, we read this. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God remembers his promises. He remembers his covenant. He remembers his people. And just as things seem at their worst, God acts, and he acts through Moses. Join us next time as we see a bush burning, a voice speaking, and a staff turn into a serpent, as God calls Moses to shepherd a new kind of flock.
The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023